On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. When that ended, I thought, you know, anything can happen in my life from here on out, but I've seen cloud busting with Kate Bush, and you know... I don't know if life can get better than that, but that's that's pretty up there in moments in your life um, that touch you and move you and and frankly change me again as a person. Like her music first changed me in 1987. When I saw her again, it, it changed me and, and it brought that much more goodness into my life and light and seeing um, Kate because... Her, her art is just unparalleled. There's just, there's really no one that can even come close to doing really what she's done through her whole career. And if you're listening to her, if you're really listening, she'll move you in ways that you just can't even imagine. And it's, it's pretty incredible. Welcome, everybody, to a very special episode of Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. So this week, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently because I'm going to be real honest. I've recently gotten a full-time job, and it hasn't left me a ton of time for some of the editing that I need to do. That's not to say that the show is going on hiatus, because believe me, no, 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 no. We still got songs to talk about. We are not going on hiatus. But I'm having to like figure out my work versus non-work balance. And I realized that Andrew Sheep wasn't going to be ready in time. So instead, we're going to be doing a very special episode about something that happened this week, five years ago in 2014. A very big thing in Kate Bush fandom, the Before the Dawn shows, Kate Bush's first set of live concerts in 35 years. And as you guys know, I didn't get to go, but I have gotten to talk with various fans throughout the course of me doing the show who did get to go see it. And in fact, that's going to be the subject of this week's episode. So in honor of the five years since Before the Dawn, we are going to be doing a very special episode all about Before the Dawn. Why doing it now? Well, that's because the ninth wave, which is going to be the next um, bit of episodes that are going to be coming out, the ninth wave was performed in its entirety in these shows. And it was the first time that anybody had ever gotten to see any visual representations of those songs and also getting to hear Kate actually singing them live. I mean, come on, like, oh my gosh, she's actually singing live. She's not miming, she's actually singing live, oh my God. So I thought this would be a wonderful thing to put in now because, well, I don't have next week's episode ready, but it has been five years since the shows. And I think it's worth talking about these shows because the further we get away from it, the less people are going to remember. As sad as that says, and I'm not trying to make all sad with saying that, but it's true. 
So the fan I'm going to get to talk with for this episode who got to see those shows live in person is none other than Elizabeth Bracey. So Elizabeth Bracey is a fan from Portland, Oregon, and she was one of the first Kate fans that I talked with on Twitter when I started putting together the show in 2017. Yeah, so actually it was almost two years ago. And we went back and forth about her experience with Kate's music and getting to hear Wuthering Heights, the new vocal version that was her first exposure to Kate's music back in the 80s. And also... Elizabeth told me about getting to go see Before the Dawn. So I made a mental note to hit her up (laughs) for when I wanted to do a Before the Dawn episode. And I also was really hoping to have her on the Wuthering Heights episode, but that ended up not working out. Fast forward to last week sometime, and Elizabeth contacted me and said, hey, it's been five years since Before the Dawn. You should do an episode on it. And I thought, you know what? I think this will be a great stopgap between the um, the last song episode, Cloud Busting, and the next song, which is going to be uh, Dream of Sheep, which is going to come out next week. And so we're going to get to hear all about Elizabeth's experiences getting the tickets for the show, because we all know that was an adventure unto itself. At least that's what I've heard. Um, getting to the shows, the experience of seeing the show live, and just getting to be among Kate fans all in the same room, and also various celebrity sightings. So without further ado, here is my discussion of the Before the Dawn shows with Elizabeth Bracey, which has just ended, like literally, I have just gotten off uh, the phone with her, or rather I should say Skype. So here we go. Here's Elizabeth Bracey. We're going to let her take it away. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Yay! We- Yay! <laughs> we finally connected! So yeah, it was. this is fitting because I just realized yesterday was the fifth anniversary, the five-year anniversary of the first show, Before the Dawn Show. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think it's important we talk about it because with all the craziness in the world, I mean, Kate brings so much good to the world through her art. And with without the DVD, um, I think it's important to, like, talk about this because, especially for all the fans who couldn't make it, which were a lot. Uh, yeah, me. <laughs> I, I know you didn't. I know. you. <laughs> and, and the audio is great, but you can only glean so – that's only 50% of what was happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it – my my five year anniversary is coming up September thirteenth. Yay! I flew to London uh, on the September eleventh, and and then that Saturday was my first show. And then my friend Scott from Portland, longtime high school friend, Kate fan, we've been friends since high school. He flew over the fourteenth, and we went. I had tickets for the sixteenth show, so. I, we got to go and it was a really special moment because I got to see his reaction the first time when she walked out, he turned to me and he said, that's not Kate Bush. (laughs) Yeah, Scott, it is. And after the ninth wave ended, which could have, the show could have ended there and it would have been just 
the best thing ever. You realize there's act three and you kind of gulp and wonder how you're going to get through it. But after the ninth wave ended, he looked to me and he looked just absolutely dumbstruck. I mean, like, and I know I've known him for years and he just could barely gasp out that was phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't know what to make of it. So yeah, whatever you want to talk about. I don't know if you have questions. I mean, the show encompassed so much. That it did. Well, I have a couple questions. And honestly, I was going to let you do most of the talking because you were you were there. Oh, and I'm, I'm just the enabler. You know, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. <laughs> I like to try and run this like a kind of like how I, Stephen Colbert does his interviews where yeah. it's, it's less about him as the personality. And it's more about the guest and how interesting right. they are. Oh. Well, I... Um, I just turned 48. So I've been I discovered Kate when I was 15. I actually wrote an essay about it. It was in like some Norwegian fanzine. But um, the first time I heard her and it was like nothing else. It um, it was the first few chords to Wuthering Heights new vocal. And with those few weird, intricate, even I had a piano teacher tell me when he heard that he said even he's like, what is she doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I don't. They're really complicated. From those just few chords, I I was dumbstruck. And it was like Kate had grabbed my hand and said, come on. Like she does to those of us that have that certain lock. And her her music is that key that can open it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and immediately I then, I was 15 and it was, what, 1987. And I bought everything, the whole story. Um, Then, you know, just went through and then the central world came out in 1989. So that was my first new Kate album. And, um, so yeah. And, you know, after 1993, when she went away, you know, I, I never gave up hope. I, I, it, you know, and then we found out, you know, she had, she had Albert, you know, Birdie, and he was a part of the show too. It was so wonderful to see he, the deference and respect and just love he showed Kate and his mom. And and in the program, she even stated, without him, these shows would never have happened. At the la- She said, before I fully committed, I was ready to back out. And he was the reason he, so I could see he was her. And it, it was just so wonderful to see. And, um, but anyway, so, but anyway, after she went away in 1993 for that long while, you know, I never gave up hope. And then when she popped back up with Ariel, which is prob- my top three of hers, um, I. but the one thing I never expected was her to tour again. I remember in 1992, I, my boyfriend at the time in Tacoma, we went to see Peter Gabriel, the Secret World Tour, you know, Peter and mm-hmm. Kate. Oh, yeah. And we walked into the Tacoma Dome and, in you know, people getting settled, lights were on, you know, and the sensual world was playing. And I looked at him and I said, wow, this is the closest we'll come to seeing Kate in concert. Oh, that's so cool. In 1992, I even <laughs> believed that. Because so, I knew then. I mean, what other artist can you think of that did a small tour in 1979 and that's it? And doesn't really do any promotion, doesn't release things on DVD, doesn't do any of that. She just pops up, does her thing, and says, "Hope you guys like it." Bye. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's she's she's really the the outlier in in the music in the whole music scene. But I but I remember that. So the shot came in 2014. That that early that year, I was my ex boyfriend Jamie. He lived in Oakland, and we were 
commuting from Portland to Oakland, and he was a huge Kate fan. And we had heard rumblings over in the UK. There had been some things, you know, oh, we had Kate, you know, little snippets, but did any of us ever dream? I mean, no. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, no. (laughs) I, I mean, I'll never forget it because Jamie and I ended up breaking up before the shows happened. Um, uh, but I mean, I, that night it was, it was about 1am and we were texting, um, that Thursday night when the news broke in the UK and he texted me, I'll never forget it. He texted me, oh my God, Kate Bush live at Hammersmith. And in my gut, I immediately knew she was playing live shows, but instead I just texted back a normal response like, oh, she's finally releasing the 1979 shows because it was in the same venue, which was very prophetic. Mm-hmm. And then he said, no, she just announced shows. And I lost it. I oh. I, I was in, <clears throat> I called him and I started crying and it was actually going to be spring break. And I was teaching at the time in Portland. So I was going to drive to Oakland anyway, and we had the pre-sale codes, which was very smart of Kate to do. She gave um, the fans that had signed up, like prior to the announcement, who had signed up at her website, um, pre-sale codes for the tickets before they went public. So, um, so we had those, and we knew, and it was that ticket process though just nearly killed me. It was. Oh, if you heard that Eventim website, the CAPTCHA was inhumanly possible. I, I did it like three or four times and I was, I was right. You know, I thought, don't you think that's the one time in my life I would be absolutely as coherent as possible to like overcome whatever obstacle I needed to <laughs> like, like a person, like, I mean, fighting for, I mean, you know, like I, I got that CAPTCHA right. And each time that was not correct. And then the bank ended up flagging my the it for fraud because it mm. I didn't you know and it was just this nightmare but I we ended up Jamie was on his computer I was on mine I got four tickets he got two and then the most amazing thing happened though it's the the strange phenomena that Kate brings together for some of us that Friday when they went public or they went public the next week <clears throat> we were trying to get to get tickets and he was trying and trying and trying and I I just I had I put two stalls tickets in my in the basket and I checked out and got them, and it was really amazing because it was just and he looked at me and he dumbfounded. He said, "How did that happen?" And I said, "It's Kate." I was you know, mm-hmm. but but I remember getting that text from him at like one a.m. when the news broke. And he could have texted me like, space aliens are invading California right now. (laughs) I'm coming to Portland. And that would have been a more plausible scenario. And that was the magic of what Kate did is she kept it. And she had been working on it close to two years. Mm -hmm. I mean, have you had a chance to look at the program at all? Like A little bit, yeah. Some of the stuff that people have posted online. Yeah, she was working on it for a while and how she she kept it secret too. Oh, my God. I know. And... um. And she was very clear, like she she wanted to make everyone know that that was, this was a team effort between everybody. But that show 100% came right from Kate Bush. I mean, mm. there there was really nothing to describe it. And going in at my first show, I, you know, I, I was sad when Jamie and I broke up, even though it was for the best. Um, 
and I was sad because we were going to go to the shows together. But then I knew that that was right. I knew that I was supposed to see Kate on my own the first time with no one there. Um, you know, and I, it was interesting because I didn't even feel a sense of excitement. And on my second show, I saw Kira Knightley as well. She was there with her husband from afar and she had to, she was showing her ID like everyone else. Cause that was another smart thing Kate did making sure everyone's name matched to the ticket. So, cause mm. she knew scalpers would be there. And, um, but leading up to that first show, I, I surprised myself because I, uh, I, my heart wasn't palpitating. I wasn't really excited. Not, I was excited, but it was almost like I was walking through like a, a script or something like kind of like, am I really here? Is this, is this really happening? I'm not in, I'm not at Hammersmith Apollo to see Kate Bush play live. I mean, that's, this isn't happening. Even when I walked in and took my seat, um, and the best thing I did for myself, the Twitter Kate verse was really great. They they kept stuff spoilers to a, a minimum, but I didn't spoil myself at all. I didn't look at the set list. I didn't look at anything. Although the minute I saw that first promo poster in the orange vest, mm-hmm. I knew I knew she was going to do the ninth wave. I said, "We're getting it. We're getting it after 29 years. She's going to give it to us." And and then I assume from the title, she's probably going to do a sky of honey. Because I also, in one of the vi- the interviews for Ariel, she mentioned that's one of the pieces of music she's most proud of is The Sky of Honey with good reason. Um, it's genius. And so I knew that. And other than that, I, I knew nothing. I didn't read anything. I didn't go to Kate Bush News. I didn't go to Home Ground. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. I, I wanted to be 100% just surprise not surprised but just going in and it wasn't until Kate walked on stage that I lost it because I think up until that point I didn't believe it and 745 when the lights dimmed the announcer said please put all electronic devices away um and then Kate leads the band out barefoot I just lost it and I didn't I had no idea what song she was going to play first but in retrospect Lily was the perfect choice because while she was singing it too it was almost like she was casting that spell around us to protect us Mm-hmm. Um, talking about the angels surrounding us, put your wall around us. And that's why I think she chose Top of the City with its angel themes, uh, Take Me Up, which was really powerful. And Joni, um, which she sang before that, which I don't think there was a dry eye in the house when she sang that. It it was <laughs> powerful. And those first six songs were just the, the typical rock portion with, you know, mm-hmm. um, after Lily my shell shockness was still there 
But then when I heard it, it's in the trees, it's coming, I lost because that's one of my, that's always been one of my favorite Kate songs, Hounds of Love, because um, it's just so brilliant. It just touches me like to my soul. And when she sang that, I said, is she really singing this like right now? Is Kate Bush singing one of my all-time favorite songs to me right now? She is. through that whole first show I'm not ashamed to admit it I sobbed and she so she did the first six which was very straightforward um Joni top of the city she included never be mine on the audio which she didn't play at the show um for I think because it made it too long I don't know what the reasoning was but she didn't play that but then um and then of course running up that hill which everyone kind of lost it at (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god i know i would have <laughs> oh geez no and then, i mean i mean and favorite Kate song but boy in concert it was powerful she drug that finale out and then the bull roar came out
and he smacked it down and the stage lit up and then that's when the ninth wave began and the, the confetti shot out of the cannons and the, these two gentlemen to my right at my first show were from Manchester and they were kind of worried because I was just sobbing they were really sweet and one of them ran down and got me like a handful of the confetti because I'm like I want to get that you know? <laughs> the Tennyson poem and I mean what do you do Kate Bush is about to perform the ninth wave right there like how does your brain even even compute that um but she seeing what she brought to life there um I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures but the shipwreck. Um, she recorded the Hello Earth, or not Hello Earth, but um, and Dream of Sheep video in in the water. So that was a pre-made video of her, which is on her channel. Have mm -hmm. you seen that? I have, <laughs> and it's beautiful. And I, it was my understanding that for that video, even, and this is going to come up in the uh, in Dream of Sheep episode, that mm -hmm. she. Uh, made sure the water was nice and cold so she could actually feel like she was this woman drowning at sea. Yeah. And it took a while to figure out how exactly to pick up her voice, how to pick up her voice because it was so <laughs> cold and she's in the water and everything. And yeah, I've, I've seen the, the, the video for it. It's very poignant. It, it was pretty amazing. And yeah, Kate, in the, program she ended up getting hypothermia she said from that mm -hmm. because um <clears throat> they wanted to do bigger waves too and she said you can't get bigger fucking waves because <laughs> her voice was getting drowned out with the way you know kate like swearing like but anyway but that but then with the audio with the introduction of course with the astronomer talking about the scenario and um Hello, yes, hello? Am I through to the Coast Guard? Over. Yes, look, um, I'm calling because, uh, well, uh, I'm out observing the meteor shower tonight. Uh, I'm on um, Church Rock, and I, I, I've just received a rather, well, um, actually, it's extremely alarming uh, message. It was very faint and um, staticky. I think he said that his, his ship's name is Celtic Deep and that he was sinking uh, fast. Well, yeah, no, he, yes, he gave some uh, coordinates. Yes, he did. Uh, he gave um, a, a, a seven, a, a nine, but the, uh, the, the signal was, was breaking up and um, I tried to reply, to, you know, to tell him that uh, I could hear him, but uh, there was just uh, <clears throat> dead air. Yeah, just now, two or three minutes ago, just before I called you, the, the, the transmission died. But, well, hasn't anybody else reported it? Have you not heard anything about it? Uh, my name, what, what, uh, sorry, what, what's my name got to do with anything? Oh, come on, come on. If a man says our ship is going down, isn't that enough? Oh, the, to hell with your protocol. There's, there's a ship out there in real trouble. It'll be dark. Look, it's... It, I, I need to know that you're going you're gonna to do something, please. Well, I don't know. You're the Coast Guard for fuck. 
I think these, these people are depending on me. I'm the only one who heard them. Please. Do you understand? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? and then Kate with her dancers and then um I don't know if you've seen if you've seen some of the pictures that just the imagery up there especially watching you without me where her son did took part in that skit that theater skit but the house the house for that was kind of was set up like a those topsy those topsy-turvy houses you see in like fun houses and amusement parks where the floors are slanted and everything's kind of tilted mm -hmm. that's what the house was like and Kate comes up behind him like she's, you know, she's actually out at sea, like waiting to be rescued. But she's coming back to her son and husband to, you know, watching you without me. And they don't know she's there. And she was just singing behind him. <laughs> One thing where, which was just crazy, which kind of introduced the imagery. The imagery, I think, Kate, the feathers throughout the show were just the transformation. I think, bird song, um, the feathers, and then going into a sky of honey. Kate connected the two because during Waking the Witch, where there, you know, Kate was on her knees saying, you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Oh, and he was, you know, she's a witch. Kate kind of went under the stage and she tried to reemerge and all you see is a blackbird wing, mm -hmm. which, in, which indicated later in a sky of honey where that she was continuing to make that transformation, which was part of the story she was telling from, that's what I gleaned from it. I mean, you know, do we really know? I, you know, we, we never, you know, but. Oh, 
Jig of Life is was one of my is one of my favorite songs as well. And seeing that too with Kate used they used some old school theatrical tricks during that. Um with black uh curtains and they were roiling it to look like black waves out at sea. And the way the light was coming down, the little pinpricks of light, it looked like really a roiling black sea, like in the starlight. I mean, the production on it was just only only Kate could have. An old lady, I know your face is well. It was before, after, 1985 was before I got into her, but back then I remember her saying she always wanted to do a visual companion to the ninth wave. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was going to do it, but then she got caught up probably in Central World or, you know, um, doing what she does in her mansion. But, yeah, so it, I, I think after 29 years seeing that and... It's just a shame there's no DVD, and I kind of get her reasons um, a little bit. Um, It's just a shame because um, I know all the other fans want to see what's going on, and there's only so much you can glean from the pictures, you know? Right. And the audio. I mean, you want to see what's going on, too. Um, But... The most amazing thing, too, after Jig of Life, too, and, um, oh, John Carter Bush's poem, which is some beautiful words. I mean, that poem always hits me so hard. Um, The fish skeleton people were sitting on a sofa, and a TV came up out of the stage, and he had recorded the spoken word to it. So he, that was shown on the stage. Well, the waves were going... Over here. Over here. Where memories are kept right Tripping on the water like a laughing girl Time in her eyes is spawning parts like Drunk with the ocean and the woman unfurls Holding all the love that waits for you here Catch us now for I am your future A kiss on the wind and we'll make the land Come over here to where a wind lingers Waiting in this empty world Waiting for them when the lights break for now does ride in on the curl of a way And you will dance me the sunlit pools We are the going water and the gone We are water and the holy land of water And all that's to come runs in With a thrust on the strand And then we get into Hello Earth Which, I mean, that was worth the price of admission alone I mean, just if Kate had done that one song <laughs> really I mean come on I mean that song touches some universal chord it's almost like she reached up into the ether and like plucked it out but she Birdie was up on the buoy and one of the other cast members and Kate was climbing up singing hello earth on the buoy and it was it was it was pretty intense because it was because that's I think always it's one of the songs I think a lot of us Kate fans come back to when we talk about 
you know, her genius, her, her ability to condense things into, you know, feelings and emotions into like a moment and, and strike that chord with all of us, mm-hmm. you know, that recognize that. And the way she can tell a story and the way she can even tell a simple story, not a simple story, but a story about a woman lost at sea, hoping to be rescued and come up with something as beautiful as the ninth wave. It's, um, but this is coming from the girl that wrote man with child in his eyes at 13. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, that's insane right there. I mean, that's, that's almost just unreal. But, um, the, what the amazing thing is, and my, a Kate friend, um, I had in the UK, Matt had, um, went on the forums had said, go to the side door after hello earth, you'll thank me. And so I, I walked down and as Kate climbs off the buoy at the end of hello earth, when the Nosferatu choir is playing, you know, that sample, mm-hmm. uh, she gets on the litter and she's held aloft by the six fish skeleton people. This is not a phrase I ever thought I would say. But <laughs> 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 I watched Kate Bush be carried on a litter by six fish skeleton people. I mean, this is literally only a show Kate Bush could do. Of course. <laughs> and it took forever because they kept swaying back like they were... Uh, taking their time it was a very slow procession they came down through the audience on the floor uh kate's on the litter you know possibly we don't know is she rescued is she dying we don't know uh and they carry her through the audience out the side door to where the bathrooms were um and so that's why my friend matt at the forum he said just go down to that door and they carry her off through there and disappear and then about Two or three minutes later, well, the whole place was just silent. I mean, you could have only Kate opens the door and reemerges. And I was about, I don't know, 12, 15 feet from her. And she walks through the audience on the floor. And all of us are just like, our mouths are just, I mean, and she comes up on the stage and everyone just erupts because. What we had just witnessed, we saw the ninth wave and we know the morning fog's coming. Mm-hmm. And I found a little snippet of that on YouTube and it, and even, and I can see why Kate really hasn't released the DVD because it doesn't, it doesn't capture what was there. You can see it. I mean, it does to a certain extent, but not like what it was to actually be there. And everyone was just losing it because she just walked through the audience, walked up on stage in the night and morning fogs playing and it was really poignant because when she said um you know at the end she said i'll tell my mother i'll tell my father and she said i'll tell my son and then birdie stepped up and took a bow and then everyone went crazy for him because we knew he was the reason like if it wasn't for him the shows would never have happened mm-hmm.
my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. What an overwhelming response. Thank you so much. And <clears throat> so then, that's act two, and then you realize, Kate says, there's a 20-minute intermission. Um, we'll be back with act three, and then you realize, how am I even going to get through this? The show, could, the, show, the show could have ended there and still been, you know, um, the, the best show of all time. I mean, there was just no comparison. It was the show, and, you know, Neil Gaiman, the writer, he's one of my favorite authors. Mm -hmm. Yep, uh, he's my one of my husband's favorite writers as well. Oh, yes. I follow him on Twitter, and I it was funny because he went to the show, and I have his tweets uh, liked from back then, too. And he tweeted three or four in a row, and he was just speechless. And I always think to myself, so what makes Neil Gaiman speechless? Kate Bush. <laughs> <laughs> so and it seems. It, yeah, and and it was interesting because that was one thing t the Twitterverse did is is everyone who was at the shows I could see from the follows just say all the other quote famous people that were at the shows, um, and it was just there were so many every night. Um, I saw Kira Knightley, I believe Paul McCartney was there my last night my, at my third show, but I didn't pay any attention. I mean, I'm there for Kate Bush. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know. Kira, you're great, you know, no, but, um, but no, but Kate, but then you realize the ninth wave ended and you take a breather and then act three, a sky of honey. And it, that was, that was amazing in its own right. It, it's definitely, you know, Kate tied in the bird song, the, the air and the space theme she was working on, on Ariel and the sound. And it was just Oh, and Birdie had a new song. She wrote a song for him, and he had a solo song, The Tawny Moon, if you've heard that. And mm -hmm. I thought he did a great job. He, I know some, he wasn't some people's cup of tea, uh, but he really put his all into it, and you could tell. He, he didn't take it for granted. And his words in the program were so, for his mom, he, he, I, I was reading, he said, I could think of no one else more talented that I could work with than my mother. Aww. And he said, I've worked really hard to earn my place in the show. Um, and yeah, and so it was, yeah, it, and just to see the, the love and respect, I mean, of course, Kate, you know, Kate has for him and he has for her. Yeah, but and you know, I really liked his song as well. I, yeah. I, I read that some people, some people really like it. Some people don't. I think he has a beautiful voice like his mother, mm -hmm. you know, I do too. I would yeah. not expect anything less of the son of Kate Bush to not have a beautiful voice, you know, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> And Star will be proud. 
shining. Twenty ounce swoop. The howling wolf. Every swimming pool will shiver with excitement. I made the wind blow and the starry heavens hang. I ache from head to toe. I've got blisters on my hands. He even his acting too. He put his all into it, and he didn't. And he was one of the backup people. He never tried to overshadow or, you know, he just whenever he was there, he just gave it his all and just just all of us and you know the thing i realized too is a couple months after the shows ended kate put that note up on her fan on her site and i don't think it was until after those shows that she really truly realized how she touches people because that note she wrote to us she said i could i felt the love i felt every single night i felt the love and it i I don't know if she'll ever play again. I hope she does. But it was, I think it really cemented in her because she's always been so averse to fame. She doesn't play that game. I mean, 35 years between live shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's insane, really, to have someone of her caliber. I mean, that you just doesn't happen. Um, no one, you know, she just has never played that game. And, you know, the was a 12-year hiatus between Red Shoes and Ariel, too, where she, well, her mom died, and um, then she had Albert, but when she announced the shows, I, even though I didn't, had no idea what the set list was going to be, I immediately knew she wasn't going to do anything prior to 1985. Like, the big question was, is she going to do Wuthering Heights? And my answer was always, no, I know she's not. I know she's not, because it was almost like, I think she's been there, done that, you know? that and I know some people were why didn't she do it well she did do it again you know back on the whole story I just felt like I think I think maybe she felt like that part of her poor career was closed even though I would have loved to hear something from the dreaming but oh I bet yeah (laughs) since that's uh, my favorite hounds is right up there but the dreaming is that that's my favorite probably of all time it's perfect it's to hear if i could have heard suspended in gaffa or houdini or night of the swallow that i mean i think that everyone would have (laughs) the whole theater would have just like Mm -hmm. (laughs) well there was a rumor that she was considering doing sat in your lap i i didn't hear that or on it for a new one or at the shows? At the shows. Like oh, in the yeah. first part of the show where it was like your standard rock concert. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would have been great. Because mm-hmm. nothing <laughs> from the Dreaming has been no. sung live. I know, I know. And I think Kate, I know she's called that her crazy album. But I really feel that album is the closest we'll come to hearing her brain work. Um mm-hmm. I, I really think that while well, Hounds is, is the one that everyone goes to as the masterpiece, which is with good reason. I mean, come on. Um, it's Hounds of Love, which is it's it's in, it's right there. It's right up by the dreaming. But but the dreaming is just 
I mean, it's almost like she went to her home planet, made it and came back and brought it to us earthlings or something, because it's just so perfect and dynamic. And I hear I even to this day, I hear something new when I listen to it. But uh, the dreaming is number one, followed by Hounds Mm -hmm. of Love and then kick inside, maybe uh, never forever. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, The Central World, Mm -hmm. Lionheart. Oh, that's a great one. um, Kick Inside. Yes, I like Lionheart a little more than Kick Inside. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Then probably Ariel. um, Red Shoes and Director's director's Cut and 50 Words for Snow. Yeah. Yeah, I still haven't fully gotten into 50 Words as much as I should. Now, she did play her... penultimate song before cloud busting when she came out um after a sky of honey ended which was like that whole suite was like bordering between a dream and like the best nightmare you've ever had because the sun there was the huge sun and then the puppet i don't know if you saw the marionette the old school puppet that kate had and these Mm -hmm. giant wooden doors that came out and these trees that came down And the bird imagery that was just so, um, that she had started in the ninth wave to continue, um, had had kept going in a sky of honey. And sunset was just amazing. That everyone kind of was just, if you've heard that, I mean, it's one of her, that's one of my favorite songs, probably in my top 10. It's It's genius.
and that got everyone going and birdie had his song and then nocturne and then when ariel happened it almost everything built up to like this frenzy and you had the bird masks come out which you could see in ariel a little bit those pictures you know like um and kate put on this raven's blackbird and and was uh dancing around on the stage with it and it everything was building up to this frenzy and they were in these like you know nightmarish kind of bird masks and right before um the sh right before the song ended a another tree came down and it appeared to smash through kate's piano it was pretty genius how the special effect was done i still it was because it happened every time and then it looks like it crashes through the piano and then kate disappears and then right at the end of ariel she flew out as a blackbird transformed on wires <laughs> and that's what you don't get on the audio <laughs> and yeah and my jaw dropped and that was the, the end of that story she was telling she had made that transformation and she flew out from behind the curtains on wires as a blackbird I mean wow that's that's all that's Kate Bush and It was, I was blessed enough to go to three shows, which was because the first one I was incoherent, really. The second one I was semi there. And by the third one, I was like, oh, seeing Kate Bush's old hat now. No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how lucky am I? And I was able to fully absorb it. But at each show, it was very, it was so cute, too, because when Kate, after Ariel ended, we knew there was going to be an encore, but um, she thanked everybody and then she popped, they all went behind the stage and then Kate pops back out and she walks across the stage to her piano and we know what's going to come, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just her and she sits down and I didn't know what she was going to sing that first time. And it was among angels, which is the angel theme again, you know, the angels around us, the angels watching over us. And she said, but at each show, it never failed in that, in that like, you could hear a pin drop in that theater, that small theater that she, you know, she chose for a reason. But at each show, during that like brief moment when she sat down at the piano to play, a random guy would always yell out, I love you, Kate. And, and we would chuckle and then everyone would be quiet. There's no one there 
what you mean when you say you fall apart. Are we all the same? But it, but I, and I don't think there's another artist like Kate Bush who could ask everyone to put their cameras away, and everyone will. And I didn't see one camera out at any of the shows. Mm-hmm. Which is another, you know, disappointing reason we don't have the DVD because, you know, that's what kind of we were expecting. I'm I'm hopeful maybe Bertie will convince her. <laughs> I hope so. You know what? He convinced her to go on stage. Maybe he I, can convince her to put out the freaking DVD. <laughs> yeah, because even if it can't, even if she thinks, which I know a part of her probably thinks it can't capture that live experience connecting with the audience you can still see what's going on and connect with it as a viewer. Um, so I, I hope she does change her mind at some point. I kind of have a feeling she's working on something now. It's been five years. She And she put out the remasters, which, um, you know, is great, and, and the lyric book. But I, I'm just hoping for a new album soon, you know. Maybe a, she's always been a fall-winter release person, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it it's... I'm hoping, I'm hoping, you know, we can hope for a new album or, um, I was, I was actually one of the, one of the, I was actually pretty shocked she didn't do this woman's work though at the show. That's, that's one that I kind of was thinking she might do, um, which kind of is still surprising that she, she didn't do that one, but, you know, who are we to question our Kate, you know, she's. <laughs> she does things as she wishes that's she for did. sure i mean she gave us a three-hour show i mean you know the one song if i i always ask myself what's the one song uh if i could have chosen that she would have played and my answer is always the same it's a choral room i i waver between that and under the ivy but i think if kate had played a choral room i, I don't think she'll ever play that live because of how personal it is and i just think she that was why she just decided it wasn't part of that, what she wanted to tell either. But that would be the one, I think. But yeah, it I would have liked Under the Ivy, too, because that's, that's I would a do. top favorite. It is. That's that's one of my favorites. And it's just, it's so Kate that she thought, oh, that's a B-side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's worthy of a B-side. <laughs> and all of us are like, that's our top five of all time. Like, a lot of Kate, I mean, you know, that's a lot of Kate fans do put it with good reason I mean you know but yeah I remember before the shows too there were rumors that David Bowie was going to join her on stage and I mean you know which I think would have blew every I mean that would have just blown every I mean our minds would have just been this can't be happening Mm -hmm. I do I do think he attended one of the shows but like maybe in a different seating area so as not to distract or you know what um did you have other questions or anything well actually um you mentioned so you went to three shows correct I did, yeah. did you go alone all three times or did somebody else come with you i know you had an ex-boyfriend or well no yeah jamie and i broke up before so i went to the first show alone um okay. and there was there were always a there it was it was sad actually there were people always in a queue outside hammersmith day or night that had flown there from all over the world begging for tickets just please one ticket so i actually just sold my other ticket at face value to a person there 
um, and made their life. Because I mean, <laughs> Jamie and I were supposed to go and we broke mm-hmm. up even, um, you know, which was, I mean, it worked, it was for the best. But, um, and then my second show on the 16th, my good friend Scott had flown over. So we got to see that together. And then my third show was the same. I went on my own. So, but it was perfect because it started with Kate and I and it ended with Kate and I, which Mm -hmm. I think was how it's supposed to be. And um, even Scott talks about it to this day as the the best gig. I mean, there's just, there would, uh, uh, there would be no topping it. I mean, you know, and it, people were joking when she announced it because it, you know, it pretty much stopped the world. I mean, her website crashed, the news, especially BBC, they were pulling everybody in, breaking news. It made, it even made like a small little newspaper in Vietnam. That's how big that the news was. And, uh, and no one really even knew what to expect, but everyone was saying, like, no matter what she does, it's going to be great. I mean, she could come out and read her shopping list and we would be hanging on every word. <laughs> yeah. Literally. I mean, really. I mean, she's, you know, the term recluse, I think, was invented for Kate Bush because she's truly, especially if you watch those early videos of her when she was 18, 19, 20, such poise and 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 intelligence um and you can pull kind of pull out she's never she's truly never been into this fame or celebrity and and for her to give us what she gave us a three hour plus just journey into like i mean it was as much as i would want to see the 1979 shows and go back in time like if i had to choose it would be before the dawn because i really feel like she took us someplace it was in her mind it was in her imagination her ability to to tell a story is just unparalleled and it it was almost just unreal and and the the way she connected with the audience too she and it was good I got to see three shows as well because even I could tell between September 13th and the 24th that she was much more relaxed mm-hmm. um and her her little sp- her speaking voice between is just so i mean you just melt i mean she's at, at the, the last show at the end she said uh i know some of you have come from very far away or just around the corner i hope you all get home safely you know and we're just <laughs> i mean just i mean just like kate saying bye it's you know i mean but she she could she, I could tell in that note she wrote after the shows and she had had time to reflect it. She finally got it. And I know she thinks a lot of us are just crazy, you know, like, but I think she really got how much she touches people and how her music has the ability, if you're truly listening to it, to reach into your soul and to like, to like make your spirit soar and, and to tell stories that, I mean, really that only Kate Bush can tell. And the, that was the part of, of the whole show that just seeing that come to fruition because we've seen how visual she can be in her videos and the way she can um, <clears throat> paint pictures with her music. And that was an interesting comment by one of the creative advisors on Before the Dawn or her lighting directors. One of them said, Kate sees music as well as hears it. And I, I that makes total sense because each part of Before the Dawn was almost like her, the perfect vis- visualization for what for what you're listening to mm-hmm. it's it was i mean 
the way, I mean, especially a sky of honey with, I mean, the, the feathers came down at the end and there was like snow and almost like, almost like the sensual world video where she's walking in the forest and there's. What was your, I know cause it was, there was so much to take in, but what was your favorite part of the show? I have to say the ninth wave. I, I can't get away from that. It's, it was just, it was everything that I had been listening to for the last like 25 years on that with my earbuds or with microphones, hearing every echo and to see it visually come to life with the shipwreck, the roiling waves, the manic, the fish skeleton people. I mean, that were always lurking around like menacing until the end when they took them off in the morning fog, which was the celebration. And the one thing that, that Kate clarified for me on the ninth wave is I had always gotten over these years the interpretation that possibly my inclination <clears throat> was that the woman had died and drowned because I kind of had seen the morning fog as a rebirth into heaven, maybe, where she's falling and everything. But Kate had intended that all along as the woman was rescued. She's been rescued and now... Being so near death, she's so thankful for everyone she loves, and she's so happy to to be back alive. And that was what brought everyone to tears at the end of a morning fog when she was, um, you know, she's saying, I'll tell my mother, you know, and of course her mother died in 93, tell my father, I'll tell my loved one, I'll tell my son uh, how much I love them. And then at that very end, just everyone just lost it. It was just... So, yeah, the, my favorite has to be, the, I mean, the ninth wave. A sky of honey, though, I mean, I feel like I'm almost being disrespectful to that by saying the ninth <laughs> wave is my favorite. <laughs> but I I think it also is because that one is, see, is, I think, is more personal to me because I've been listening to that album since 1987. And just that... <clears throat> I mean, the, the crown jewel of all that, of course, going back to Hello Earth. I mean, you, it, and the, Kate's voice has mellowed, but boy, she was note perfect on that. And it sounded to me like I just, I'd just like the original. It was even better because it was coming right from her into my ears. And the one, the one thing I wished we had seen of more throughout the shows, which I can't even believe I'm saying that, is is her just at the piano. Mm-hmm. But I, um, we got uh, well prologue, which started off uh, a sky of honey when the the huge doors open, the I don't know twenty thirty feet high doors on stage, and the puppet came out, which was controlled by that man in black, which is old school how they do it. The puppet was a child size like wooden puppet. And Kate was at the piano and she whispers, over here, over here. And and prologue was really beautiful. Um, she was uh, inter- starting to interact with the puppet and um, and then at her piano. And then, of course, we also got um, uh, Among Angels, which was the second to last song, uh, just her at the piano. Um, and it was... <clears throat> Just everyone was just stone silent in there because it was just Kate Bush and her piano. And at my third show, um, when she played Among Angels, uh, I actually just closed my eyes and I just let it wash over me. And I thought, because I thought to myself, I thought, 
She's singing this right now to me, Kate Bush at her piano. And this is probably the last time I'm going to hear Kate Bush at her piano. Mm. And it was, it was almost like an epiphany almost um, because the song is so beautiful and talking about, you know, someone that's always loved you forever. You just don't know it. Um, And, and then I, I didn't even know what song she was going to end with until my first show and then cloud busting. And at that third show, she, uh, you could tell she was so much more relaxed and she was saying, everyone get up. I want you to get up. We're all up, you know, we're up and just like, because <laughs> we were sitting down. We didn't want to disrespect Kate, you know, but mm. she's like, yeah. we're all just like bolt up. Right? <laughs> what do you want? We'll do it. And she says, everyone's singing along, you know? And so all of us were swaying back. Yay. 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 so great thank you so much it's my like one of my favorite subjects to talk about Kate Bush especially <laughs> to someone else who gets it you know because you have to get it or else I mean I think to other people we may sound like raving lunatics but we get it we know I mean yeah we do you know. it's you know we, what? honestly it's like any fandom yeah it really is like and you know it's really like and talking about the shows and helping relive it too has made me like I have it on in my car now all the time and listening to Lily and hearing hounds and hearing hello earth and sunset. And then just Kate at her piano and among angels, your, your heart just explodes. It's just just really done. To achieve the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. 
I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.